I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life. So when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. On this episode, I'm interviewing someone who's pretty darn awesome, and he is a retired Navy SEAL of 23 years and served in three wars. So his life had a lot of mo-crazy incidents that happened, and we're going to talk about when life became mo-crazy, how did Tom Shea recover? So, Tom Shea, welcome so much to the show, and how are you? Jamie, it's so nice talking to you, and uh, I, I have missed our the friendship that we had a couple of months ago or a month ago when you came out for the 24, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's It's uh, been quite uh, a ride. Thank you for being here. And as Tom mentioned, the 24, we did a 24-hour walk. So we walked for 24 hours and the point of it was walking is something simple. You know, we all walk on a daily basis and do lots of things walking. You never really think about it. But for 24 hours, you all of a sudden, a simple thing like walking becomes challenging and difficult. And uh, it's it's along lines of what you are, are about and what happens when things unravel or get mo crazy, as you say. And I, I love the experience of taking people through that, that uh, unraveling where life begins to fall apart and you begin to f- figure out what, you, what and who you really are. And, uh, and I loved watching you uh, and the other people that were there get a deeper sense of what, is, uh, what their life's about. So what you're mentioning is that when you encounter an unexpected trauma, life becomes more crazy. Instead of thinking it's all just going to go downhill and downhill, you're probably going to learn something new about yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I, lo- I love what you do and who you are. You know, now I didn't know you before, but uh, the woman that you are now is quite extraordinary. And I love the notion of coming. What do you do after you hit bottom, whether it's a injury, which you had or, you know, a financial loss or a divorce or whatever experience people have. I, I'd hit bottom several times in my life. Uh, one, I wouldn't call it hitting bottom, but when things get so out of control, what happens in, in combat, that was what it, combat was like. Is It always is at the point of hitting bottom. And one extraordinary event happened uh, in 2009. Uh, I was a platoon chief of a SEAL platoon, which means I was in charge of 22 other guys. And we were in Afghanistan, and we'd been there for about three and a half weeks. And we'd been really successful. And that means nobody dies. And we picked up a mission to go into a very dangerous area in the central Afghanistan. 
And uh, we were only supposed to be gone for two days. We ended up being gone for five. And in that five-day period of time, we got no sleep at all. And if you anybody can imagine, just getting no sleep is tra- is tragic, and what it does to your brain and what it does to your body and your capability, it's it's also tragic. And uh, not only did that happen, but I began to witness how my men were beginning to unravel, and we ran out of food, water, and ammo every single day for five days and had to spend all night going out into the, they would drop parachutes in with food, water, and ammo. So all night long, we'd have to go out and get the ammo and bring it back into our camp. And uh, watching how, what I thought was really important, really wasn't. And in that moment of, uh, you know, hitting what I call rock bottom, where I thought we were literally gonna die because we'd run out of ammo and seeing how uh, the men that were around me began to produce extraordinary, uh, I guess, life events. I'm trying not to describe it in its gory detail. How they began to rally when there was no hope of winning. And we, all of us, all 22 of us, did what I call impossible, which is survive in combat with no food, no ammo and no water and no sleep. And none of us got killed. And uh, that was very transformative to me, like your injury was to you. Wow. And one of the things that you really learned was what you thought was important wasn't. That's a really interesting idea. I want to like talk about that a little bit more because a lot of people right now when they're encountering COVID and lots of things in life are changing you know we're all kind of encountering a trauma right now and so it really is a lot of people are learning to recognize what they thought was important isn't and what actually is important yeah that was what and uh and I you know and and talking to you over the not only the day, but the many times that we've talked and, and, to, and to recognize your story and my story and other people that have gone through the bottom. What became important to me was the real simple things that I didn't think were vital, but uh, uh, being next to somebody who and you wouldn't think about that in combat. You know, if you, if you hadn't been in combat, you don't realize that the only thing that you really care about is the guy or the girl next to you and how deeply uh, that becomes appreciated, if that's the right word. And one of the things that became very clear to me is I really only cared about them and uh, making sure that they had anything they wanted. And I had given up the things that I thought were as important. Like I would, uh, as long as I can keep them happy and give them a little cracker if I had extra or a little more water or give them a bullet out of my gun. That was more important than me getting what I thought I needed from that experience. And uh, that, that then becomes what I see in most people that have hit bottom is they become, they don't necessarily approach their own cares the same way 
anymore. Interesting. So you mentioned you start to learn about the three simple things a lot, um, real simple things. Mm-hmm. And one of them is recognizing the value of the person you're next to and giving to that person. Um, how do you do that in your life right now? Can you give some examples? Oh, gosh, a hundred thousand examples. Uh, one that all that sticks out now is, uh, you know, I have three kids when my daughter just graduated from West Point and she's now in pilot training in Alabama and my middle boy just graduated high school, but is now home because, uh, the remote learning that is now college. <laughs> and, uh, what I find necessary to do is I, I, you know, if, if I was alone, I would spend a lot more time doing me, like building my business up better, spending more time, uh, you know, making my health or my anything better. And what I now that I've been able to carry with me from that significant event in 2009 is, uh, you know, I spend more time giving the people in my life more access to me, which makes, I think makes their life better. Like I try to be a dad more and that may not seem that significant, uh, but I find it to be very significant and very rare that men uh, give themselves to their family. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that does make sense. So just focusing on and giving more and maybe it would be a situation like walking your dog and and feeling the joy that they receive going to play with a bone or something or some, I think that happens a lot with um, young parents too, just like noticing the joy in your baby's eyes, but continuing that throughout both of your lives and making sure you do something like make a good dinner, um, just being present and giving back. Yeah, the the that's what I you know in 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 the in the moments of down you know when you hit rock bottom and you know combat's not always rock bottom. I wouldn't have called it that uh, in any other situation. To me, it was a it was a grand experience of getting down to the basics of life. And, and how uh, the, the soft parts that you don't think are important are actually the, the profound parts. And uh, then trying to keep carrying that notion into thou, you know, once I survived, I came back and I didn't die. And I became, uh, I, I think, a better leader. And I, I know a better father because I was more present the time that I do have with my kids, uh, and nothing else gets in the way. Like I'll, who cares about anything? Let's kids, let's go do something. And the impact that that actually had on them, uh, became very easy to see. And then as I retired, which I think is the great, greatest conversation in the world relative to what you're asking is what I've been able to carry forward from that very bad situation was to be able to teach other people to keep things simple 
like really simple. And, and then, you know, the 24 hour was a product of that is what can you do that's so simple, that's transformative. And you having been there, you can see how transformative that is to everybody that was there. Like that basic level of humans helping humans is very transformative. And that's what I've tried to carry with me throughout my life since then. Humans helping humans. I like that concept. And um, I mentioned at the beginning when I was introducing you, you now have written two books. Is that correct? Well, uh, the first one, I, I actually just wrote, uh, I had written about the detailed experiences that I was going through in 2009. And I wrote it literally in crayon and blood and, and uh, poorly written, uh, you know, type messages to my wife and kids because before each mission, I would, I would leave them a note on the computer or a note in one of my notepads uh, that in case I didn't come back, I hope you read this and get some value from it. So after six months of that in 2009, there were a lot of notes. And when I came back from that deployment, Stacy, my wife, said, could you compile that gibberish into something that's not nonsensical? So it took me four years to write the first book called Unbreakable. And, uh, and I had no intent that anybody would ever read it because I still a very private person. And uh, so we had it five books printed out solely for the family. And Stacy put it on Amazon and it went crazy. And I still don't know why it went crazy. Because the first edition, if you ever get a, your hands on the first edition, there's a lot of uh, spelling errors and grammatical errors. And, and uh, so the, in the first print, uh, it was horrible. And, uh, but so that book put uh, us on the map of, you know, what, what's human potential? What can you learn and transfer to other people that helps them grow and that's what the first book was about, was lessons to my kids that are very valuable for anybody to learn that I put into a curriculum over the past seven years and have trained 350 people on the process and methods that I was initially working through. And then uh, the second book, uh, oddly, was is a book called Three Simple Things Leading During Chaos, uh, and it was a, the genesis of that book was uh, six of us seals were sitting around the table after at a funeral of one of our buddies who had committed suicide. And we were asking ourselves, what do we have left? If we died, do our families know everything about us? Do we have anything on the table that we haven't done or said? And uh, I, I'm like, well, I have created a wonderful process to get people to, to do really well in life. They're like, well, why don't you put it on paper? I'm like, well, it's a secret sauce. If I tell anybody it, it it'll go away. And, and uh, one of my buddies is like, Hey, put it all on paper, let it go and put the whole method and process of how you teach people into a book. And that then became three simple things. Well, I have I've read Unbreakable. I don't think I have the first copy though, or at least I couldn't tell if it was misspelled. <laughs> but 
but it is a really fascinating book. Um, and I like how you mentioned talking about human potential, because I feel a lot of people right now think that they should try to improve their human potential, but don't know where to start. So what would you say to somebody if they want to improve themselves, change themselves, but they don't know how to start? I think your story is the best story. You got to start from nothing. You can't, I don't think starting from a place of improvement is worthy. Uh, and if everybody listening doesn't know Jamie's story, in, in a moment, her whole life was over and she had to reboot the system. That to me is what anybody can do. Start from zero and get rid of all the crap that doesn't matter and get back to the what I call the three simple things and then relearn it all. And like, like, like you, Jamie, you can, and what becomes possible is a whole new life that is probably more profound and more satisfying than the one that you had before. And so my thing to anybody is you can start over, but you have to let go of all the crap that doesn't work. From when my fatality report was written, I literally was completely starting over, which sometimes I find is kind of a gift because it was completely starting over. But most people don't have traumatic brain injuries before. So what would you suggest? Like, what should they leave their job, leave their husband? Like, no, no, I don't think they don't like throw the baby out with the bathwater. But, uh, you know, take all the inertia out of life. So, you know, health, for example, I think there's five areas of life. Actually, I know there are. Your health is one major area that all humans have. The ability to learn is another major area that you just had to relearn everything. Your ability to grow business or get paid for what you do is the third area. The fourth area are your relationships that are key to you. And then this, the fifth one is your spiritual connectivity, if you will. So just take health. Wherever you are, you're only operating at about 20% of your capacity. Even Usain Bolt is operating at maybe 30% of his ability physically. Since that is truth, and couple that with your story of having to re-engage from nothing, like nothing's working, how do I get going again? And people worry about losing weight, and there's the vanity thing about it. All I know to do is what I do with clients is put something out there that scares you, that you can't do. And then go about doing it. So run a marathon. Run 5K if it's impossible. Swim. If you don't like to swim, put down as a metric of your success to swim 500 yards without stopping if that's impossible. And then you have to reinvent yourself constantly until that goal gets reached. And that the what I... Not to make it confusing, but the ability to have a, a defined, measurable goal that scares you, like you recovering, it has to feel impossible. Once that is there, then go about doing it until it happens. Yeah, that sounds so great. So if you have not had a traumatic brain injury like 
I did and starting from zero that way. You said don't throw everything in your life away, but analyze and create something that scares you. So make a goal that is impossible right now. And then start doing it. So take the steps to take that impossible to I'm possible to it's possible and it's done. I mean, that's your story. I, I, it's a different wording than yours. You know, and my story is, you know, one of the stories was, you know, making it through the hell of combat. Uh, but I'm like riddled with start over stories. And what I know to be true is anybody can start over, but nobody does. They just get down on themselves and they get stuck. But you can start over and have a remarkable journey. And uh, like what well, I liked how you phrased it, uh, it never, f- I would say it differently. You keep doing it until it, until it happens. And it never feels like it's going to happen until after. Like, you, I remember you telling me your story of, you know, nothing working until it all of a sudden works. Like it's never encouraging. Like life is never encouraging until it, it happened. Like as, and you saw that in a 24 hour, it gets harder. Then you get down on yourself, even doing the, the walk. And then at the end of it, how illuminating and fresh and available life is once it's over, once you have accomplished that goal, but in the, in the baggage and the, the cutting of the grass, that's why most people are discouraged in life because it never feels good until it happens. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And I, I need to hear that today because quite often, like you were talking with a 24-hour walk or like most things in life in general, when, when you start the walk, you start the 24-hour walk, it's fine. Um, it's not too bad. And then when you're like 20 hours in, you're falling asleep on the table and it's really bad. And, um, if you don't continue at that time when it feels overwhelming, depressing and challenging, then you're just going to fall through and you're not going to accomplish it. That being said, if your life, like if you're doing something and, and it's not a goal, you feel like you're just like stuck in something and you feel like it's been kind of 20 the 20 hour for years um then evaluate it and think if you can change and create new goals and then know when you're creating those new goals that you're gonna hit that dreaded 20 hours again and you gotta just push through it to reach the 24 hours that's the key is in and i'm glad you got to that point uh, in this rediscovery or the, you know, as you phrased it, you know, when life goes mo crazy and everything falls apart, you get to that 20 hour mark. This is human. This is normal human life. They start something, they're encouraged, they get into it and then it gets stale and you're, you're sitting there evaluating, ah, hell with it. I don't know if I want to do the next bit, do it. It doesn't feel good, but do it. And then all of a sudden, when you finally get to that place that you've set out to get to, 
that is the reward when you finally arrive. And I've never felt wonderful about victory until it was over. Like even having a baby is cool until, you know, watching Stacy give birth. That's dramatic. And then all of a sudden, life is out. But in the process, and I've had, you know, seen, you know, wives have three kids. When they're, when they're in the process of that giving birth, it's a pain. And they want to quit, but you can't. It's coming out whether you want to or not. And then all of a sudden, baby comes out, and that's the beginning of, of life. That's the, that is, always reminds me, that, like the giving birth thing of your story, of it never is, feels like it's going to work or worth it until all of a sudden you become that person that you've wanted to become. Like when you became a new Jamie and all of a sudden it was there. And that, that process to me is remarkable is how you, how you did it. Like my, my story's pale in comparison to yours. I like the analogy of the baby. So when you're, at that, when the baby's coming out, it's cresting, um, and you're at that 20-hour mark, um, what piece of advice would you give to people if they feel like they want to give up? Give up at the next stop. Like, you'll still want to give up. And having put people through SEAL training where everybody quits, uh, what makes people really successful is... You can't fight the quitting conversation. Like it sucks. This hurts. Um, everybody doesn't like me or your brain doesn't function in your hands and you can't speak. Don't quit now. Quit the next stop. Then you get to the next point where you want to quit. Go, okay, this really sucks. I'm going to quit at the next stop. And then I'm going to quit at the next stop. And never let yourself get to the point where you actually commit the action of quitting. Like your story. Nothing's working. I can't even talk. It's frustrating. And you're crying. Okay, I'm going to figure this out tomorrow. But I'm not going to quit now. I'm just going to take a break. And in combat, that's why people do really well is they quit two minutes from now. I'm not going to quit now. I'm going to quit two minutes from now. And... I, I just take that into everything that I do, and I, I try to bring that out in the 24 hours. Just make it to the next tree. You can sit down and rest, but don't give up. And, I, oh, I, I was going to share with you, and this may be relevant. A guy came to the last 24-hour in Texas, and you're going to hear this very uniquely different. And he wasn't physically available to do it if you know what I mean. And it became very dangerous to have him out on the trail, and I gave him the option. You can always quit, but it's too dangerous for you to be on the trail with us. Can you stay here in the parking lot and still do it in your mind? And he goes, yes. And I said, we'll keep somebody here to walk with you. But it was literally walking around a 400-yard parking lot for 17 hours. That his that story to me is so remarkable because he couldn't do it. He had a, he had deformity in his legs 
And he said, I've quit on everything in my life and I'm tired of quitting. Can you help? And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this trail is too treacherous for you to be on. But I think it's safe that you can walk around the parking lot, but you have to keep going. It's not up to me. I can't talk you into it. And to me, that was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had is watching somebody do something that I would not have done. Like I would have quit. And he kept going. And you having done the 24 hour, you can definitely hear that uniquely different. And I said, hey, you just got to keep, even if you walk around once and sit down and rub your ankles and then walk around and sit down again, don't give up and don't go home. And every time we would come back, he would come over to the sit down discussion and, and share what he was going through. And it was quite remarkable. I love that concept that you were sharing. Like you can rest, you can take time, you can massage your ankles, but don't give up. Wait till tomorrow, give up tomorrow and always just put it a little bit in front of you. Give up the next, next stop next day. The the mental giving up, I think is one of the tragedies of the human experience. That's probably the only thing they should teach in school over English, over math, over history, sociology, or whatever they're teaching, teach kids not to give up. But that's all they do now. Adults give up. Kids give up. Thank God you didn't give up. And the greatest thing in the world is not giving up on yourself or your family or something. Yeah, not to give up. And I love how you mentioned that because with with a lot of – Um, talking about like positivity or moving forward. A lot of people will look at me and they'll say, you're so optimistic and you're so positive because throughout my whole injury, it seemed I was. But throughout my whole life, there's been days that I've felt sad and I've cried and I've wanted to just lie in bed. Or like this morning, I woke up with an upset stomach and it was not a great day. But what you what you suggested was recognize that that's okay. Be like, okay, right now is really hard. Right now sucks, but I'm not going to give up yet. Yeah, everybody does, and that, that's that's the other human wonderful experience is everybody has trouble, but everybody hides that from other people, and uh, and that's one of the things that endears me to that 24 hour challenge is. Uh, I struggle and hearing people's bottom and like you hear all the people sharing the stuff that they've gone through and what's holding them back in life. It gets me down too. And I get to also share downtimes and not be judged and people not abandon, you know, the, the, the whole conversation. And, and I, I get to cry without making it a weird situation. So now let's move on to how can people find the 24-hour challenge and how can people connect with you? What's your website? Yeah, uh, so if you type uh, threesimplethings.com, that will take a, take you to the all the, the websites that we have. Uh, and the 24-hour challenge is an event there. And uh, I'm on social media under Tom Shea, T-H-O-M-S-H-E-A. And uh, we respond because we're uh, Brock and uh, myself and my other partners and I are in the business of 
transforming human beings. And we, we do it every month now. Whenever I talk with you, I feel so inspired and motivated. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm kind of having an upset stomach and I'm not feeling really great today. But it's okay because tomorrow is going to be another day and just keep going. I, 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 I would ditto that. I, I'm more, ins- I, I don't inspire myself. I, I like to, I love the fact that you are still alive. That's a big deal. And uh, you inspire me more than you could possibly know. So whatever you do, I, who cares if you're sick, keep doing what you're doing and, and, and you're moving the needle in a lot of people's lives. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for joining this show. Thank you all.